Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with Conversation Highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's Alan Morris. He is a corporate leader who has been involved in real estate development as well as ministry leadership. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he offered challenging insight for believers to work on the inner life and to grow in the Lord. You'll be hearing from him coming up. Plus, Dave Kubal of Intercessors for America shared with me about the significance of two recent U.S. Supreme Court decisions, the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case and the upholding of Coach Joe Kennedy's religious freedom rights. You'll be hearing him express comments on the Dobbs ruling ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection, there is analysis of religious freedom from an international perspective as Mike Pritchard of International Christian Concern highlights those named in its 2022 Persecutor of the Year Awards, which spotlighted countries, groups, and individuals. And there's more on the Christian persecution front with Brandon Showalter of the Christian Post, who traces the abduction of Leah Sharibu and over 100 other girls from a Nigerian school four and a half years ago. Reportedly, Leah did not receive a release because of her faith in Christ. Find out more coming up. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Alan Morris is the author of a book entitled All In, How to Risk Everything for Everything that Matters. He has served in leadership in his family's real estate development company, and he's also been involved in ministry leadership. In our conversation, he discussed leadership and life principles that he's learned. Here now from that conversation is Alan Morris. I would say that um, when we go all in uh, to our lives uh, and take a deep look into the truth about our own lives as a Christian or not as a Christian, but just taking a look at the truth of our lives, that can be a a scary thing um, because we think we know who we are, but uh, we all have big blind spots in our lives. Uh, The psychologist Carl Jung would call them the shadow, our shadow, that 90% of what is in our life, uh, we don't even see. We're disconnected from it. We're blind to it. Jesus talked a lot about light and blindness and about our seeing and not seeing. And um, uh, when we take a risk to look into our lives, it can seem like we're risking a lot, that it can be scary to do that. And, uh, but the result is um, a risk that has huge rewards, that uh, God wants to bring healing into our lives. He wants to bring clarity into our lives. He wants to bring joy into our lives and also to help us uh, get a clearer picture of our life calling. And uh, that's what I see happens when we take the risk to go all in, uh, to look into the truth of our lives. And and it can feel like a big risk, Mm. but the rewards are extraordinary. And the consequences, obviously, the implications are huge. So how do we determine or discern if we have totally risked it all? And of course, Jesus taught about really taking up our cross and following him and laying down our lives. And he said, greater love is no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for us. So when we, when we do that, there obviously are consequences. Yes. 
Yes. Now, every one of us is carrying pain, and every one of us is carrying questions and uh, challenges in our own secret private lives. And um, God is our great healer, uh, that Jesus came to be our great healer. And the healing that he wants to bring in our lives can be um, deep as we look into our lives. You know, he said, you know, why do you why do you propose to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own eye, a log in your own eye? Um, and and what he, in saying that, he's speaking to the fact that we all have uh, a plank in our eye. He says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Because we all have this degree of blindness in our eyes and in our lives. And he wants to bring light into our lives and healing into our lives. Um, and we may not know why we have the conflicts that we're stuff suffering with in our lives, mm -hmm. conflicts in relationships, conflicts with our spouse, conflicts with our children, conflicts with our colleagues, our friends, uh, um, people that we work with. We, these are the tip of the iceberg to tell us that there's something to look at in our own lives. And, and I had that experience in my own life where I was having a conflict with my rebellious teenage daughter and I was having conflicts with my wife and didn't know why. And here I was, a, you know, um, uh, an elder in my church and, and uh, teaching uh, Bible studies. And, and yet I had these conflicts. I had conflicts with a couple of the senior uh, executives in my company. And I didn't know how to resolve them, and I felt stuck. And um, and this is the journey uh, that I went on uh, that has turned out to be a wonderfully healing journey and restorative in those relationships. Alan Morris here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website allinbook.com. Well, next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the president and CEO of Intercessors for America, Dave Kubal. In our conversation, he shared with me about the significance of two recent U.S. Supreme Court decisions, the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case, and the upholding of Coach Joe Kennedy's religious freedom rights. Here now with comments relative to the Dobbs ruling, here's Dave Kubal. Prayer. You know, when you're talking about national issues, you've got to have a long-term perspective. As you mentioned, this uh, dreadful decision was nearly 50 years old, and Intercessors for America was birthed in 73, the same year that the decision was released, and we've been praying ever since. And, you know, it took uh, 50 years of prayer in order to see the the right set of circumstances with the right set of Supreme Court justices that were prayed into into place, and and then the right case that was prayed into place. Uh, by the way, the author of the Mississippi law that was argued in this case uh, was a is a a solid believer in Jesus Christ, and she wanted to to save babies, and so you know all those things came together, bathed in prayer, and now we have the decision that we have that will now release the opportunity for the church to protect life in all 50 states. It's now time for the church to, to rise to the occasion, to pray, to be involved, and, and to see life protected at, uh, every, in every state in America. Well, let's talk about this new chapter, as you alluded to, 
the Ro- the uh, decision, the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade now means that each state has the responsibility to set its own course with respect to abortion. And there are a number of different perspectives that are resident within states. You had some states that had strong pro-life laws in place. I know in Alabama, we had a strong pro-life law in place, but it was held up in court. Well, when the state attorney general Mm -hmm. went to court after the Dobbs decision was handed down in just a matter of hours, that new, that law was put into place. And so you had some states that had trigger laws in place that would ban a large number of abortions in their states. Some states are still working through what what the state of of life, the sanctity of life of abortion in their states are, is going to look like. And then, of course, you have those states that have taken a dramatically different course. They've made that decision not to protect life. So from a standpoint, from a, a prayer perspective on these state legislatures, these state lawmakers, what are you encouraging people affiliated with Intercessors for America to really pray with respect to these state-level decisions? Well, I think the first thing that we're encouraging our folks to do is to understand exactly what the laws are in your state. And um, at, in our, at our website, IFA Pray, or you can actually specifically go to PrayAndActUSA.org, and you can look at the pro-life section and see what bills are in place, what laws are in place in your state. But as you mentioned, even those states where there were laws protecting life on the books, ready to go into effect once, once Roe was reversed, Uh, The enemy of our souls wants to see as many uh, babies killed as possible. You know, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there will be uh, a great sifting of laws, a great sifting of public opinion that will translate into laws in the the weeks to come. Uh, it's, uh, It's quite a time in America. Dave Kubal here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to Pray and, spell it out, A-N-D, PrayAndActUSA.org. Well, this is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to MeetingHouseOnline.info or by visiting the programming section at FaithRadio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. You can also get connected to video content. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, the Director of Communications for International Christian <clears throat> The Director of Communications for International Christian Concern, Mike Pritchard, 
joined me recently and discussed the leading persecutors of Christians in the world, including countries, groups, and individuals, recognized in the 2022 Persecutor of the Year Awards. Here now from that conversation is Mike Pritchard. They're given to not honorees, but dishonorees, and these are some of the worst um, oppressors of followers of Christ across the planet. And what we did is we looked at, at this past year, you know, what were some of the trends? What were some of the, the facts? Um, what, what were we seeing? So in, in our 150-page report that we released at the International Religious Freedom Summit last week, um, we released this report, as you mentioned, that, that highlights 16 of, of the world's worst um, oppressors. And of those, um, this is something that, that we do differently. Of those 16, we picked the worst country and the worst entity and the worst individual. So that, that's how we packaged our report together. But um, we spent a, spent a year um, doing the analysis talking to um, survivors in the front lines and victims on the front lines and um, working with our government officials to pull, pull their report together. Well, you certainly see in world affairs, whereas you look at the history of nations of the world, you find a lot of major wars have been fought throughout time between various nations. Mm -hmm. You have nation states going to war against each other. Now, on the political front, relationships between nations also, you, you know, you still got that, but you also have these relationships between terror groups who are negatively impacting nations. And of course, Christians are being persecuted, not just by countries who have an agenda of persecuting Christians, but also you have these groups, you have terror groups. And I, and I know we're going to talk just a bit about one of the top three awards that you presented this year was in the group category, was in the nation of Nigeria with the Fulani militants. This is not a, this is not a country. This is a, 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 I guess you could call them a terrorist organization that is operating and their intent is is obviously to to create crisis and stir up trouble and to target Christians. So it does seem like that just on the world stage, things are changing and you're having to guard not only against rogue nations, but rogue groups and rogue individuals. That's reflected in your report, too. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And what you'll find, um, unfortunately, the narrative, the clear narrative through many of these groups is that they're extremists and they're, they're um, Islamic extremists. In, in the case of Fulani, the, the Fulani is one of the world's largest nomadic groups, and many of the Fulani are peaceful. Many of the Fulani um, you know, or historically have have gotten along very well with their, their neighbors, but inter interject this radical extremist um, Islamic fundamentalism, and you get the Fulani militias. And for the past 20 years, they have killed anywhere from 50,000 to 100,000 mostly Christian um, uh, farmers. So. Um, and, and more than 3 million have been displaced off their land. So 
uh, these radical extremists um, have mostly in, in you know the central central middle belt of Nigeria. They they come in and they um, slaughter villages. Uh, they they just um, kill families, destroy Christian communities, and the government, you know, all intents and purposes, pays pays it lip, lip service. And they say they're doing something. They say they're helping the Christian communities, but the same I- radical ideologies. Um, have infiltrated the government and the military and the intelligence community so that we are where we are um, because of that and, and nothing happens. But you're absolutely right. You have these these terrible, terrible groups, these terrible entities, um, whether it's the Fulani or the Allied Democratic Forces or the Islamic Revolutionary Guard or RSS in India um, that are doing terrible things. Um, the worst things that you can imagine to Christian believers, and it's um, it's uh, our, our mission to make them make them known to the world, and to do everything that we everything that we can to protect our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mike Pritchard here on the intersection. You can find out more about international Christian concern by going to persecution.org. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's senior investigative reporter for the Christian Post, Brandon Showalter, who provided an update on a young Nigerian girl who was abducted from a school with 100-plus other girls in 2018. She reportedly has not been released due to her faith in Christ. Here now from that conversation is Brandon Showalter. Well, as you say, this happened... uh several years ago in 2018, and at the end of March, Leah Sharibu had been in captivity for over 1,500 days, and Boko Haram was indeed the terror group. If your listeners remember, this was the, uh, this was the story that, well, not, Boko Haram has been the terror group that has been you know, tormenting and abducting girls for a long time. During the Obama administration, there was that famous hashtag campaign, the famous photo of Michelle Obama holding that "Bring Back Our Girls." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Trent, that was a big, that made a big splash uh, in in the news media here. It's the, the same kind of dynamic has been going on in Nigeria from that terror group, and Lulu Sharibu is one of its most recent victims, and she's still in captivity. As far as we know, she's still alive. She has spent five birthdays in with her captors and it is believed now she's believed to have two children from her captors but from ages 14 to 19 she's been in captivity her whereabouts are still unknown and the military and others who have tried to free her have not been successful there have been a lot of promises um just they've just not been able to 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 keep and it's a very difficult and dicey situation uh and meanwhile nigeria is really deteriorating politically it's a very scary time in that country with all of the internecine conflict. But Leah was among a group of girls, a larger group of girls, the majority of which have been released. But Leah is known for her refusal to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ, and that's why she is still held captive. Um, there was about a, around 110 other girls from the school in the Dapshi region in, of Nigeria who were abducted. Um, but she's now sort of become the face of those those girls and because she's still in captivity, obviously, and there has been some significant international advocacy from people who are dedicated to seeing her released. Um, these, these things can take 
quite a bit of time. If you remember the case of Asya Bibi, the Pakistani woman who I think from start to finish was, you know, persecuted and in captivity unjustly for around 11 years. Well, we're going into year four and five here with Leah's case. Mm. Uh, and there's been some, some notable international religious freedom figures who have been contending on public platforms for her freedom. Uh, she's such a brave girl. Um, her family is in anguish just year after year, knowing that their daughter is still alive and in captivity, and they've not been able to see her, and all for refusing to renounce her faith in Jesus. It's a heroic family, for sure. You mentioned Gloria Puldu-Samdi. She has been the leading advocate. She is the leader of the Leah, L-E-A-H, Foundation. In honor of her, she is someone who actually visited, as you reported in a Christian Post article in early June with Leah's family back in early May. I would imagine the discouragement is, or at least the temptation to be discouraged in this situation is enormous, but she is she is a Christian and someone who is encouraging people to pray. So tell me about what you observed about her mindset. Well, Gloria Puldu Samdi is a force of nature. She's a <laughs> courageous, wonderful lady who has been at the forefront of advocating for Leah. I mean, she she really is just a, a dogged, doggedly determined fighter. Uh, while I was finishing my graduate degree, I had the opportunity to join a call of several advocates who we skyped with um, with with Leah Sharibu's mother and Gloria, who are able to share with us about what it's currently like. And I got to tell you, Bob, Leah's family is just so courageously praying and still holding on to hope, but you could just see the anguish and the pain that this has caused them. If, if I know Gloria, it's, it's the horror of what was done only fuels her fire to continue advocating for Leah's release. And um, they are urging everyone that they know to pray, both in Nigeria and here in the United States and everywhere else. Um, but also to pray for the country of Nigeria more broadly. It's, uh, Nigeria has, uh, I think, uh, last I looked, 134 million population. It's humongous. It's a you know, relatively small country in the continent of Africa, but it's got an enormous population, many Christians there. But if it, it becomes destabilized, there are a lot of ramifications that will ripple across the globe. So we need to pray not only for Leah's situation and that she will be released and for Gloria's courageous advocacy, but for the nation of Nigeria because it's so crucial. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's the nation is imperiled in a very grave way these days. Brandon Showalter here on The Intersection. The Christian Post website is christianpost.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center through that homepage, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House program. You can also find links to the Intersection Podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. Video content is also accessible through the homepage. Plus, there are two blogs that you can reach. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.